0: Hey everybody, this is Jeff from the Sacramento Startups Podcast. Last week, I attended the Aggie Innovation and Startup Symposium at UC Davis for a full day of great speakers and panelists, helping students get introduced to the idea of entrepreneurship as a career path. There were some great talks and discussions, some of which I captured on audio so I could share them here on this podcast. In his opening remarks, Moneta Ventures' Lokesh Sikaria provided an overview of the region's innovation and startup ecosystem, along with a primer on venture capital and the outlook and trends for startups in our region. Take a listen.
1: All right, so um, my intent today is uh, just to talk about venture capital, what it is, uh, a little bit about the ecosystem in Sacramento, um, and just, you know, uh, related to some of the personal experiences I've had, uh, and then maybe end with some advice around for students who are going to end up joining startups. Uh, it will be good to just share some things that I wish I knew when I was graduating, uh, so, a uh, lot of you will start your own companies someday, a uh, lot of you will end up joining startups, a lot of you will end up working for big corporations, but eventually, uh, you know, uh, I would hope that uh, this day today inspires you to eventually be part of a startup somewhere down in your career, right? So, so, oh, sorry, uh, yeah. So with that, uh, the, so what we'll cover today is the venture capital and ventures. Just talk a little bit about the Sacramento region, right? The greater Sacramento region, Davis, Chico, uh, and uh, all of that. Uh, and then, the career insights that I talked about uh, earlier. So, you know, when we first started uh, here, uh, every time uh, people would say, okay, so you're going to be a venture capitalist in Sacramento, uh, and why Sacramento, right? the greatest center for venture capital is the Bay Area. Um, If, actually, I'm going to ask a question around this. How much capital uh, in the Bay, um, if you take the total pool of venture capital all across the board, right, everywhere in the world, venture capital is everywhere in the world, how much of that is deployed in the Bay Area? What percentage? So we're talking about you know, is it one percent, is it one and a half percent? What percentage of venture capital globally is deployed in the Bay Area? Seventy five. Fifty percent. Okay, so keep in mind the countries like China, Germany, Texas, you know, there's like states in Austin, Seattle, you know, you got all of these places, right? So, and you're saying 75, 50, okay, what else? Three. Three percent, okay. Yeah, so, you know, so you're close. So 30, so roughly, you know, 30 percent of, you know, 25 to 35 percent by estimates of venture capital all over the world is deployed in the Bay Area. So that is just an unbelievably high number uh, when you think about that, right? Um, and it's been decreasing over time, um, but it still is remarkable that we live, uh, you know, 100 miles from that. So the result of that, in my mind, is we should be able to draw on that capital. We should be able to leverage what's out there um, and grow our ecosystem here. Um, So to me, it made perfect sense to have a venture capital firm in Sacramento, so we don't have the high costs of the Bay Area, we have a far better quality of living here. Um, And then, we also have access to all that capital when we need it, right? So there is some power to that. So there is this, uh, <laughs> you know, so you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Uh, so with, when it comes to venture capital, when it comes to early stage investing, it's all about that. Um, and Wayne we you know, the famous uh, hockey player, uh, talked about that. And, you know, it's very relevant to, you know, VCs and entrepreneurs. Uh, and so when you look at venture capital, it's all a question of taking risks. And evaluating that versus the rewards that can be there, right? It's a high risk, high reward kind of a scenario. Um, so when we look at venture capital, what is it? What's the formal definition? It's basically equity financing provided uh, to emerging or growing startup companies with, you know, greater than usual rewards. High risk, high rewards, right? So when we invest in companies, uh, anybody want to take a guess at? Uh, how many of the VC invested companies returned less than the principal that the VCs put in?
2: 30%.
1: What was the number? 30%. 30% returned less than the principal. 90. Okay. 90%. Actually, pretty close. So, so, you say, you know, so, somewhere in the 75% to 90% range, them, you know, so if VCs invest in 100 companies, 75 to 90 of them return less than the principal that they put in, right? So it's a high risk scenario for sure. So now let's talk about high rewards, right? All these companies, Google, Facebook, how did they get funding? How did they get started? VCs. So there's the reward part of it. So even though only 10 to 25 companies do well, they make up for all the losses that the VCs incur on the 75 to 90 that go down for them. So that's the model. And we've got to be very cautious about making sure that we pick companies that we think will be in that successful 10%. Um, and we are wrong seventy-five to ninety percent of the time, <laughs> right? So that that's how the VC world works. What does venture capital do for startups? In many cases, it's the only source of capital. Um, they also get a lot of domain experts. So as VCs, we try to bring in people into the firms so that they have the expertise needed to scale and to grow. And in many cases, what the startups find particularly useful is the access to our extended network, right? So, we might know people, we might know customers, we might be able to get them introduced into customers, uh, might be able to get them introduced into potential acquirers down the road. Um, So, it's the network access that they're getting. Um, For investors in VC funds, this is the only way they get access to high growth companies um, by the time companies are already public and if they are investing in that, you know, chances are they, they are no longer on the same trajectory that they were when they were privately held. Um, it also allows them to portfolio diversification, right? Because VCs, when you invest money in VCs, it's not as correlated to the stock market and bonds as other areas, right? So. Typically, when the stock market goes up, mutual funds, ETFs, bonds, I mean, a lot of those things sit in sick. Um, With VCs, the correlation numbers are like 0.1 to 0.13, which means that there is very little correlation between how the stock market bond markets do and how the VC space does. Um, So that's another reason why investors invest uh, in VC firms. And typically... The venture capital outperforms traditional securities. um, Over the last uh, 10 years, Um, so if you take a 10-year mark, 20-year mark, or 30-year mark, in all those three marks, the the average return from VC funds is higher than the stock market, Dow Jones, Nasdaq, S&P 500. Uh, So it beats that over a long period. So in spite of all the risks I talked about as an investment over a longer period, uh, this tends to work out. So, you know, for many in the room here, you know, you already probably know this, but just to kind of reiterate, um, when a company starts, typically it's funded by maybe your own money, maybe your friends and family money, maybe some angel who's invested in it. So it's bootstrapped. Or angel money that you know starts the company. Once it's had a little bit of traction, once it has got a little bit of revenue, that's when the VC venture capital comes in to help them scale and grow. Once those companies have scaled to a decent size, they're making decent profits. That's when private equity steps in um, and invests in those companies. And eventually those companies go public and those are mature companies so that's the spectrum there right so you start from you know bootstrapping from angels all the way to the public markets and where we play is right after the angel money has come in you've already got something up and going Um, and so uh, the other way to look at this is you know where how the value of the company grows your own company grows over time and who funds it at different stages. So in the beginning, you know, it's friends and family and angels and you probably owe money and probably if you did the you know uh, company value at that time it's probably negative. Um, as you gain customers, as you show some revenue, you're you get into the positive territory and then you need some significant funding to accelerate your growth. That's when the early stage VCs step in. Um, and you know, all the way through to the public market. So same kind of depiction of the previous slide except that it correlates to how the company's value grows over time, right? Um, and many people, um, this is the toughest stage here, right? This one. And so the, most people are afraid of jumping into a startup because of that little curve down there. Right. If everybody started a company and you know it was positive from day one, you would have a lot more startups. But because people are afraid that they will be stuck on that side or they will go out of business, that's what causes the apprehensiveness around you know doing a startup. So um, to give you a quick sense of Moneta Ventures, right? So we're based in Folsom. Um, we. Have a twenty-five million-dollar fund one, and we just um, are in the process of raising um, another fifty to sixty million dollars in our second fund. Uh, so roughly about seventy-five million under management. We have twenty-two portfolio companies, seventy um, percent of which uh, are located in Sacramento, and it, coincidentally, seventy percent of our capital also comes from Sacramento. So when I say Sacramento, obviously the greater Sacramento region, Davis, uh, Roseville, Bay, all of that. Um, And then our first fund is on track to return over 20% per year, um, which is, from a VC standpoint, it would put us in the um, 70 percentile range. So we would be better than 70% of the funds. Um, but some of the top performing funds can return as high as 45, 50% IRR. Uh, and so, you know, we are becoming better at this. We're understanding more on how to maximize the return for our shareholders. Uh, but as you can see, 20% is a better number than what the stock market typically does over the long run, or, you know, obviously better than bonds. And so let's talk a little bit, shift gears a little bit and talk about what makes an ideal entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, there are organizations in town that are focused on growing an ecosystem here in Sacramento. Um, and when you look at, you know, the uh, an ideal entrepreneur's ecosystem, those are the major elements of what makes um, a good ecosystem, right? If you have all those elements, um, or at least some of those elements, which are really strong, then that helps the ecosystem thrive. Um, So if you look at universities, you know, in our region, right, you got UC Davis, UOP, a lot of the community colleges, Sac State, um, and a lot of the entrepreneurial activities, particularly at UC Davis, um, and now at Sac State, we're seeing a lot more entrepreneurial activities, a lot more focus around helping students start their own companies, faculty you know, uh, start their companies, uh, convert some of their research uh, into licensing type of it, the agreements, um, and building businesses from there. Uh, recently, uh, Sac State uh, actually started a Center for Entrepreneurship. Uh, funded by $5 million from Dale Carlson, uh, who's actually also an investor in Moneta. Um, And so, I think you will see a lot more activities around this in the region. Um, And the good news is that the universities always share resources, you know. um, So, for example, um, if you are a UC Davis student, you could really participate in that, you know, state uh, Center for innovation they welcome that they bring you know entrepreneurs and education around that um, same thing goes for some of the catalyst programs which catalyst programs here and others so it, it, it's an environment which you can use to your benefit to grow um, then there is government and we have plenty of it in Sacramento Right, so um, the, uh, the good news there is the, even the mayor's office, for example, um, they have taken on to innovation and entrepreneurship. Uh, they do these rails grants, uh, which have helped several startups um, and organizations um, basically uh, flourish in this region. Um, so we have a very supportive government um, in place. Then you look at mature companies, and why do you need mature companies? You need them because they provide the executives you might need as you scale. They also provide, in many cases, the exits you might need. Right, so, you come up with some amazing eye technology uh, you know, i-wear, glassware uh, technology, uh, there's VSP, speed you know, maybe they're interested in looking at you and investing in you, maybe they're interested in partnering with you, maybe they're interested in buying you. So, the, opportunities increase when you have a strong ecosystem of good companies and we do i mean intel has a huge presence here um, hp has significant presence uh, amazing amount of healthcare presence in the business you know uh, so i think the presence of large companies also helps us in, in that regard then um Next, you look at mentors, right? The availability of people who have done that, with there, um, and have been successful. We don't have as many as the way. I think this is an area we comparatively lack in, but we are getting better at it. You know, so there are if you you know within even the UC Davis faculty and things like that, there are some amazing people who have been you know mentors to a lot of startups. Um, and so, if you look for the right mentors, there are plenty of level here. Uh, but they also serve the ecosystem really well. And then there is the service providers, right? Completely underestimated part of the ecosystem. Lawyers, accountants, you know, when you hire a lawyer, does he know what a VC is going to look for? How are you going to incorporate your company? How is your company going to be set up? Uh, Do your accountants know what to expect uh, from investments? So it's extraordinarily important that we have people who are already familiar with it and in this area I think we are really good at it because most of our accountants and lawyers are servicing the area companies sitting and living here. right? So they have tremendous experience and they would rather be serving customers here in this region. Um, so I think that's one area that we have pretty well covered. Um, and then, finally, you need investors, um, The you know, they provide the startup growth uh, for regional companies, give you the capital you need to grow. Um, I think Manera is one of them, uh, we are now slowly having, building a more of an ecosystem. Uh, there's actually a very nice infographic uh, that, you know, Startup Stack put uh, Jeff Bennett's group uh, that's out there uh, on the aisles there, which kind of shows you all the different aspects of the ecosystem um, and where you could get funding, you know, who supports initial programs, accelerators, incubators and how all that kind of flows. Uh, You know, when you get a chance, do look at that because that will give you a more specific idea uh, around it. Um, And I think there are links to that uh, on the website, uh, in the program book, so you should, you know, look that up for sure. Um, and then, at the center of all this, what does all this ecosystem provide? At the center of all this is the entrepreneur, you, right? Uh, and can the entrepreneur uh, take advantage of all that's around and build something of value, right? So, one example I want to talk about is uh, Pocket Points. Um, so, it's a, a company that Moneta invested in. Um, so, these were two uh, Chico State uh, students. Um, And they came and they presented to us um, and they talked about this idea of using this app where basically when students are in classes, if they switch on this app, it gives them points for keeping their cell phones off. (laughs) Right, so um, you know, so as long as your cell phone is locked, it gives you points, and then you can redeem those points for the you know sandwich and subway locally, uh, for a discounted King's ticket. Um, so it rewards you for doing what you're supposed to do in classes anyway. right? Um, and so, so they came up with this idea and they you know proposed this to us, and we asked them how they were going to monetize this. How are they going to make money? Um, and, you know, they had a good game plan that they laid out for us and we said, okay, achieve half of what you're saying you will achieve in the next six months and come back to us for funding. You know, we'll you know take a serious look at that. Um, and four months later, um, they were back in our office saying, hey, you know, we hit the targets you wanted us to hit um, and we have revenue going. We are already live in such and such number of campuses. Um, and there are some incredible, you know, penetration rates in terms of um, the universities that they are at. Uh, at Penn State, for example, 60% of the students use this app. Um, at BYU, you know, some 55%. Um, so at some of the universities that they've rolled this out to, they've got some tremendous success. Um, and so when they came with this, Manana decided to fund them, uh, even though they did not have the necessary half a million that we look for um, and they have been thriving and growing successfully um, and uh, I love their introductions whenever we ask them to present anywhere the, both of them get up there and they say well you know we, um, we are taking leave of absence from Chico State, uh, the Harvard of the West um, and uh, you know and then they go and talk about how they went about building it uh, but I just love their enthusiasm and everything else so, so this is not something that's all theoretical here that we're talking about there's an ecosystem and everything else it's very doable right and you know not everyone needs to be at Stanford um, to be able to create successful startups right um, so that you know aspect of it is really important and that's why I thought I would highlight pocket points uh, you know, as a company. Alright, so so everyone, um, you know, aspires, you know, if you're here in this room you probably aspire to be part of the startup ecosystem and not all of us will go and start a company. Right? Some of the students will come out of college and say, well, well I would have loved to do that uh, probably." you know, need to just join a regular job at this point and grow from there. So I thought, you know, let me just kind of list down some things that I think are relevant um, around it. So first is, if you look at the scale, you coming out as a student, starting your own company, that's the higher risk, high reward, one end of the spectrum, right? You know, you can be the next, you know, Zuckerberg and you know tremendous rewards but you might also just end up failing in your startup and three years later be looking for a job you could instead join a startup and that's comparatively lower risk lower reward you could join a large company you know the risks are far lower and you know probably the rewards are proportionate to that um, but the thing to remember is that in any of those paths can eventually lead to a startup. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about my background and how I ended up, you know, doing a startup. Because I never, when I was in college, I never, you know, at that time we didn't have role models like Google and Facebook and everybody else. So at that time the goal was to go and work for a large company, and that's what I did. Uh, but I ended up eventually having my startup. So there's always a path to startups. Um, And the key thing through all this process that you have to remember, you know, as you go through startups and things like that, is the ability, as this quote says, you know, you fall seven times, you stand up eight, that leaves you standing, right? So that's the key message that you have to remember, you know, going through this journey of startups and this startup environment that's out there. So, specifically, if you were joining a startup, and we have, you know, a lot of people uh, from UC Davis uh, join a lot of the startups we have funded, Um, and it's interesting to see the process uh, of recruitment and everything else. So, if you were joining a startup, I would encourage you to get four of these things answered in crystal clear terms. What you will discover through the interview process is many times the people interviewing you, they don't even know the answers, right? So, the first thing to know is, is the startup in an area that's growing, you know, is it, does it have market space, does it have growth potential, is it something that can do well? Talk to people around you, talk to your, you know, advisors, talk to your mentors, Uh, that's one key part. The second and just most obvious question, does the startup have money, right? Because they hire you, they bring you on, six months later, they say, well, this didn't really work out, we were stuck at that, you know, uh, part of the curve that I was talking about earlier, and uh, we're going to be out of business. Well, it's important, that's why, for you to know how much money they have, and how fast are they running through that money. They might have $10 million, but they might be spending $2.5 million a month. In four months, they're going to be out of money. So important questions to get asked there, right? And then the last one, this is the one that gets most experienced people even, is somebody offers you, you have two offers, somebody offers you 3,000 shares, stock options, and another company says, we really want you, we're going to give you 50,000 stock options. Wow, exciting, but you know what? That 50,000 stock option company might have 50 million shares outstanding, and so what you're getting is far less than the 3,000 stock options. So you always have to ask, what percent of of ownership will you get? What does 50,000 shares really mean? Um, And I had a pretty funny situation one time, I had given the same talk elsewhere, and one of the students later told me, he said, well, you know, I um, asked this question and the manager didn't know and then later when he found out he told me, you know, I didn't realize my stock options weren't worth much either, right? So the manager himself discovered through the process that maybe, you know, he had made the wrong choice to be at that startup, right? Um, So I just thought that was funny but that is a question that most people forget to ask. Um, And so these are the four questions I would ask if you were joining a startup. Of course, we are here to encourage you to do your own startups and you know, grow and scale those, but if this is the option you take, uh, please do ask these questions. So, let me now, can I go back to how I started and how I got into a startup. Uh, so, I came out of college, worked for Pricewaterhouse. Pricewaterhouse sent me on a project here at Intel, in Folsom. Loved Folsom, decided, you know, I really wanted to stay in Folsom. Um, so didn't want to go traveling, do different assignments with price for a house, um, and so joined a smaller company called RapidEye. RapidEye at that time was twenty-five million in revenue, uh, had a small Folsom office. They were based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, and essentially the risk I took for the role I ended up at RapidEye was I used to make about sixty thousand dollars salary in Pricewaterhouse at that time. Rabidai called me and you know, I was trying to get them the recruiter off the phone. Uh, I was busy in the middle of a project. I was trying to get the recruiter off the phone. And so I just, you know, to expedite the process, I said, look, I'm only interested if you you are looking to pay more than $200,000. And he said, well, can we meet today afternoon? And so I was shocked. I said, you know, so he, you know, didn't hang up, you know, was very excited about meeting me even sooner. Um, So, well, you know, great salary, took the job, everything else. Six months into it, I said, hey, you know what, we really think you can build this business for us. So would you now want to go back from your $240,000 compensation to a $60,000 base salary and 20% of the profit for the business? and so that was a pretty interesting choice Um, and I decided that I was going to do that and that's when I joined the startup, not when I took the 240k position because hey, that's much more security, much more you know, um, compensation and everything else but going back from the 240k compensation to 60k and taking some percentage of the profit for a business that had zero revenue and zero profit at that time um, was the startup move that I made Right, and I can tell you that we, you know, I incented the team that joined me in the same way. We paid them low salaries, uh, higher percentages, um, and we were able to build a business from you know grow that rapid time business from 25 million in revenue to 300 million in revenue. Um, I ran the company eventually, uh, and then we sold to Fujitsu. So what is Fujitsu consulting in the U.S. is actually. Um, Rabidine and that's what they bought Um, so what's interesting about that is I kind of deported into a startup in terms of an offer but it still took a lot to go from a very high compensation which I could continue to make at Rabidine if I stayed in that role to a position which paid me a much lower base and I had to take a risk Over time, obviously, the risk paid itself off really well, um, and that was a tremendous success. When I left Rabidine, the one thing at Rabidine was the owner was very generous with me in terms of percentages and things like that, and he also took very good care of me over the options, stock options and things over time. But he was, you know... Not everybody in the team got rewarded that way. So I always felt like we would do more in terms of having options to our employees and things like that. So when I started Sparta Consulting subsequently, I let um, our employees own 60% invest at the same price that I was investing in the company and own 60% of the company. me and my partner, we both had 20% each, um, and we paid for that the same as what the employees paid. Eventually, Sparta was an incredible success, and the dollar that the employees had invested turned into $4.93. We grew to 1,500 employees globally, um, and you know, through the process, made 15 millionaires, uh, 30 people made more than half a million dollars. Um, so it was an all-around success in the region. And it really did show that there is power to giving equity to your key employees, and you know, and that basically motivates everybody to do more. So you have a smaller piece of the pie, but the pie grows to be a lot larger, right? So that was a key lesson there. And so I love J. Paul Getty's comment there. He says, money is like manure, you have to spread it. Or it sticks, uh, right? So, um, and you know, it's very applicable. Uh, with the with this spars showed that uh, you know it was a tremendous success for the region, and all of that. Um, so, it also proved something. You know, that was kind of interesting or insightful to us is that. You know, people say, well, maybe you need to be in the Bay Area to create a successful company. You know, we didn't have to do that. We were based in Folsom and we stayed in Folsom and grew there. Um, And out of that came the thesis that there must be other companies like Sparta in the region that have to go to the Bay for funding. Is there a way uh, we can keep them here? Is there a way we can fund them here? Is there a way we can scale them here? Because that way... You know, all of you who come down to Davis to, you know, learn and uh, get an education here, you can be around here, um, you know, and at the same time, grow and thrive in your careers. So our goal is to build an ecosystem in Sacramento, uh, and Monero Ventures intends to be at the forefront of that in the years to come. Um, And we intend to fund more and more companies here. We intend to develop this ecosystem as best as we can. Um, And we are getting tremendous help from a lot of organizations in town um, that are also dedicated to the same goals. One of them is the Greater Sacramento G-Sec Group, um, and it's a private-public partnership where they try to attract companies here into the region, they try to attract VCs into the region, um, and they've been very successful at it. Um, So the intent is to keep continuing to do that and continue to grow that uh, in the years to come. So that's um, the quick spiel about Manana um, uh, Ventures, about VCs, about startups, um, and I would love to get questions. Uh, we have another you know, 10 minutes or so, uh, and so would love to answer questions and go from there. So, so any questions? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, great question. So, so how did they monetize their uh, pocket, so question was how does how did pocket points monetize uh, their business? How did they go about doing that? So how they go about doing that is they take a certain percentage from the vendors who give you the gifts of the prizes, right? So so for example, um, the you have 10,000 points you've accumulated. Um, you can use 300 points to get a free sandwich at Subway down the street. When you go down to Subway and you redeem those points, Subway pays pocket point a small percentage to drive that customer in, right? And so that's how they've monetized. Um, and um, at this point, I mean, it's a company that's doing really well and uh, scaling. Uh, I think they're live at uh, like 65 universities. Uh, oh yeah sorry. It is okay. So market points here as in the pet you say pocket points here as in in the audience? Oh yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, sorry, A yeah, question. Um, that I was talking about was this idea of uh, you know the mayor's office having these uh, rails grants, right? Um, and so they actually funded a lot of organizations and startups in that process. Um, and it's small grants that they give, uh, but in many cases, it's the absolute you know needed capital to keep those organizations afloat. Um, I think um, the Jeff, do you want to add anything more to how that benefited you, the Rails grant? Uh, um, so. Sure. Uh, Rails actually, they they actually funded
0: fifteen organizations. They fund startups. They funded organizations that help startups. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically funded some programs like um, Impact Venture Capital has an entrepreneur showcase. which um, is like an eight week program. They funded Startup Sack, which basically allowed us to expand out some services on our website and put more resources available on there, do interviews with founders and stuff, uh, build an app that a company did. So they funded a lot of educational uh, organizations like the the companies that are helping um, high schools and and junior high school students uh, and STEM careers and stuff like that. So they're more of a support, supporting organizations and support startups. And fourth wave. And fourth wave.
2: Yep. Sure. Yeah. 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 We uh, got funding for Fourth Wave, which is a program
0: for women-led tech- uh, technology companies in the Sacramento region. Um, we helped close the gap for mentorship and scale capital. And we had a cohort of seven last year. We had two that came out of UC Davis. Uh, one was Professor Angie Jelly, who's at the Medical uh, Center. Um, she's invented a new nanotechnology that passes through the blood brain barrier. A real and She has a company called Nanosphere, which is just stay tuned. Um, and then uh, Vanita, who, you, who formed who you're going to see on a panel later uh, today, who was at uh, UC
2: Davis uh, grad school. And she has a platform for skincare education um, that UC Davis Med Center is going to be using and other.
0: Uh, large universities
1: around the country. Thank you, Cheryl. And Cheryl is also a board member of one of our uh, portfolio companies. Uh, so, I, I, but, uh, you know, so from a government standpoint, that's one area. But the other thing I think that the government can do uh, is also in many cases be um, for the startups they need some few customers in the beginning. That's the hardest part. So if they can be the beta customers, if they can be the uh, if the government organization can step up and say, okay, you know, we'll be a beta customer uh, for this software. Uh, if the government could do that, things like that, um, it gives them the references that they need. It gives them the support that they need in the beginning. Um, so that's another area that we've been exploring in different uh, quarters within the government. Yeah, question I think. So, if you could give just one piece of advice for entrepreneurs, what would you choose to tell them? So, um, so you know, we uh, when we funded companies and our company started going, uh, some of them went really well and some did as well. We looked into it and we said, can we find out the reasons why our companies did well? And we spent a whole day going through those and we couldn't find a pattern among the ones that did well, but we did find a pattern among the ones that didn't do well, right? And so my advice there would be that, uh, so the ones that didn't do well, in many cases the entrepreneur wasn't focused on the business itself. Hey, I, I have this main job here and maybe I'm doing this startup here, or maybe I have two startups and I have this primary business. You know, that confusion was, it very detrimental. So the key thing there is that I would recommend is if you are going to jump in, jump in with both uh, your feet, get into it and you know stay engaged, put in the hours, burn the midnight oil and get there right So that's the one biggest piece uh, you know somebody said uh, the, uh, um, the ability to find success. Right, without putting the hard work uh, is very limited, right? So we are there. a thousand people that might be intelligent, that might have great ideas. The hundred will succeed. And the common denominator among the hundred is they all work very hard at it, right? So startup is not an easy business. It's a tough business to be in and uh, you have to jump in. Yeah, question other than prototyping how else should a startup that knows that it kind of takes a startup cost infrastructure that needs to build uh to cross that valley of depth that you showed earlier there? uh so the question was uh, other than prototyping how else should a startup cross that valley of death you had the graph that showed where the funding is and there's that little So there are two or three ways of, um, you know, so if you have a prototype in place, uh, many times customers can fund you, right? You go to a customer um, and say, well, we'll give you the software for free, um, help us be a reference um, and so on, right? So maybe you did, you know, instead of getting funding, what you got was a reference that helped you build to the next customer. Right, so a lot of times the prototype can do that. And if you have a good, proven prototype, a lot of times um, even later stage investors if they really believe in your idea might actually fund you and say, you know what, go, you know, here's a small dollar number, go prove this concept out, right? Um, and in many cases, they might have ideas and say specific things you have to do with that prototype, generate this much revenue, and then come back to us, kind of like what we did with Pocket Points, uh, and right specific things that you need to do to get to that point um, and you know after that once you are at that point then funding is easily available uh, the other thing that we are all trying as a region is to see if there can be more incubators and accelerators um, i would even encourage you know you to participate in incubators or accelerators in the day that might Fund a prototype idea, um, and once you're through that program, to go back and seek funding, um, you know here in Sacramento. Um, so we have seen many companies do that, and we've successful that. Any last question? Yeah. Hi everyone, my name is Audrey Kim. I'm a fourth-year undergraduate majoring uh, in communications. Uh, I have a question for you: as a student uh, with an idea. <coughs> How would you um, go about the means of getting angel loving? Yeah. So very similar question. I think the idea, develop that idea as much as we can, that, you know, with your limited resources, friends, families, you know, uh, your spare time, because time is also a pretty expensive commodity. Uh, You know, so you put all that into it, develop it as much as you can, get the mentorship help as you can, and then see if you can apply to the incubators and accelerators as part of that. Uh, You know, look out for the program coming out of Sac State for the Center of Innovation there, because they will, they are also targeting exactly this area. Uh, A lot of the things that exist at UC Davis, uh, you know, look for those resources to get you through the stage of the initial funding, right? Um, and the idea with the incubators and accelerators is they actually give you resources and actually give you money um, uh, to develop your idea so that it's at least marketable to the first couple of customers, right? Um, so the, that would be the right place to start is accelerators and incubators. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm out of time here. I really appreciate your listening.
0: Okay. Thanks for listening. If you like what we do here at Startup SAC and value the content like this that we share with the community, and you'd like to see us continue to share more, please consider supporting us through a donation. It's easy to do. And for less than the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can help sustain our ability to share content and resources like this with the community. Go to startupseccom support for a list of ways you can support us, including becoming a Patreon patron. Thanks.